0: Set up the nozzle selection. And we've all heard about the enhanced steer we really need with the increased use of DICAMBA and 24D. And some of those things were covered earlier today by Knezovic. And we really got involved in application a good number of years ago. Actually, it was the early 70s when we started spraying stubble fields after winter wheat harvest because we could see every weed we missed out there real easily you could even drive by on the road and look across the field a half mile away and see the weeds that you missed and this is what some of the sprayers looked like when we first started spraying those fields and then we'd have fields that looked like this we really wanted to get a good handle on what the performance was and so we've started putting rhodamine dye in the spray tank. And that's what it looked like. And we did this on big sprayers as well as you see, and then spray over what looks like cash register tape. And this would be one of the sprayers we used. And of course, we can see we got a lot of drip problems here. And we fed that tape into a fluorimeter interface with a computer. And those computers look pretty old nowadays. And this is the pattern we'd get, and you see that dip in there and that ramp right with the rows of weeds that we saw out there, so it really gave us a good idea what was happening. And uh, then we'd make some modifications, uh, put on more nozzles uh, on the spray boom instead of five feet apart. We went to 20 inches or 30 inches, and then we had a lot of problems around the turbulence of the sprayer, so we move the boom back there and uh, the nozzles and aim them and this was what it looked like really improved the pattern and then let's look at the results here and uh, this is one of the patterns this is 8010 LP nozzles or low pressure nozzles we got a coefficient of eight here we uh, always try to keep that under about ten but this is not too bad a pattern that we did really making some good progress, and this is what we learned a lot in how to set up sprayers by using the rhodamine dye and the cast register tape and the perimeter really gave us a lot of good information. And this here actually shows you the uh, 80-10 LP nozzles versus 110 LP nozzles, and the 80s at the boom height we had was 48 inches on the sides 81 in the rear uh, we actually do better with 80 degree nozzles now basically we say that anytime you get uh, greater than 30 or 36 inches in boom height you might want to use 80 degree nozzles now it also depends on your nozzle spacing too but uh, as you want to boom higher boom height there's probably a little more advantage and use a little bit narrower angle nozzle this was kind of interesting on speed uh, on the right. We have 9.8 mile an hour on the left 15.8. And we got a 4.3. That's really a quality pattern at a uh, little bit less than 10 mile an hour. We did give up uh, some performance there when we went to close to 16 mile an hour. But like I mentioned, we're still under 10, so we're not doing too bad at that for almost 16 mile an hour. The, uh, we ran a lot of these clinics, learned a lot over the years by run these clinics. Here happened to be one at Frederick, Maryland. Now, this was a large dealer, brought in all his sprayers and so forth. But the best pattern I ever run is the run on the right on a spray coop. I've never run a, as good a pattern, even though we ran many, many more in Nebraska equal the one that we ran at Frederick, Maryland. I think the humidity and maybe a little less wind and so forth there uh, improved our pattern. Like I say, it's the best pattern I've ever ran in all the years that we ran those patterns. This was interesting. We, at that clinic, uh, one of the operators who came through later in the day uh, came in to view his results and so forth and we weren't very pleased with the quality of his pattern on his rig there, and he asked us what we should do, and it was near five o'clock that day, and we suggested he lower the boom and and change some nozzles and all this kind of good things, and we had a two-day clinic, and he shows up the next day at eight o'clock in the morning with all that work done and even painted the boom, and uh, he had to be one of the most dedicated applicators that I ever ran into. That uh, he made all those changes, he must have not slept much that night. Uh, what nozzle types again? It's you want to look at your height and so forth, but a lot of people talk about 30% overlap. I do not feel that's the right amount of overlap. I really like to have a 100% overlap where the pattern from one end. One nozzle ends up directly underneath the next nozzle at target height, Now that's not on the ground, that's at target height. And so we actually have that spray coming in from two directions, really gives us much better coverage, really important when we're spraying post-herbicide applications or even fungicides or insecticides, getting that good coverage by having 100% overlap. If you don't have enough overlap, this is what you can end up with. And look at these various spray books and so forth. You can see with 110 degree nozzle, and we talk a lot about 24 inches of boom height now. With 110 degree nozzles, you get 69 inches of spread. So that really even works with 30 inch nozzle spacing because you need 60 inches there And so I always like to have a little bit less because it does pull in a little bit as you travel, especially as you travel higher rates of speed. And so it's good to probably have 15 or so extra percent on the coverage to compensate for that. And this is just an example of one of the books and has that information on the coverage. Now what's the best nozzle spacing for a sprayer if you don't have pulse width modulation? What do you want to go with? And I feel you really want to go to 15 inch nozzle spacing today. That's what I really prefer if you don't have pulse width modulation. And there's a lot of advantages. Uh, What we're going to do in most cases, if we want to go to low gallons per acre we're going to use 30 inch nozzle. We're just got to close off the nozzles one in between each of one and then we'll have the lower gallonage and then when we want to go to higher gallonage, we'll just flick on all the nozzles, in other words, we'll have 15 inch spacing and many cases we can get by with the same size nozzle that way uh, if we have them on 15 and 30. When we go to low rates again, Use 30-inch nozzle spacing. High rates. We're going to use 15-inch nozzle spacing. And one of the things is, if you have an older sprayer, a lot of the sprayers came out with what we call dry booms. A lot of hoses, a lot of fittings, a lot of restrictions, a lot of places for chemicals to build up, and make it almost impossible to flush those booms out with all those restrictions. We really like the uh, wet booms. Here is an example of the old dry booms. You can see all the fittings and all the restrictions on there. When we move over to the wet boom, uh, much easier to flush that boom out. Uh, No places for those chemicals hardly to hide in that. One thing though, you always want to remember to flush out the end of the booms is critical. Now there is sprayers now that lets you recirculate the uh, spray solution to help in cleaning the sprayer. So that's also a nice move. If you don't have that, make sure you get some fittings to make it easy to clean out the end of the boom. And it just shows you how the wet boom works and how it clamps over. And you can use multiple ones and so forth. If you're fixing up an old sprayer, which we did in this particular case, uh, we just made an angle iron bracket And of course, I like to put hose over the uh, tubing. And then we even fasten that in with stainless steel radiator clamps and make sure they're entirely uh, stainless steel, the entire clamp, not just the screw part. Some of what they call stainless steel radiator clamps. The only thing stainless steel in it is that little screw that you want the entire band to be. And then this also gives you the flexibility of rotating that boom. I like to rotate the boom back a little bit, uh, probably 10, 15 degrees. In fact, some of the newer nozzles have that built in, so you don't have to tilt the boom back. We find there's usually an advantage uh, if that's not in the nozzle of tilting the boom back a little bit. And when spray boom height, a little bit on drift, is raised from 2 to 4 feet how much does the spray particle drift increase? And it's about three and a half times. And you to see this in the chart as you go like from one and a half to three feet here. You see that's about what it amounts to in the increase in spray drift. And they also talk about here, the uh, drift distances that you have with 150 microns with a wind velocity at 10 mile an hour, you're going to see about nine feet of drift, roughly 19 feet at uh, three feet of nozzle height. And you see about the same thing with the 300 microns uh, at 10 mile an hour. So you can see that uh, the particle size and the boom height do make quite a bit of difference here, as well as, of course, you can also see the wind speed. Now, this is interesting, some work. I actually had a farmer call, and he had bought a brand new John Deere sprayer, and uh, he got behind, the weather didn't cooperate, so he hired a pilot to help him out. And uh, who had the best weed control? Actually it was the airplane. The farmer called me because he was disappointed in his brand new sprayer that uh, that I could hire an airplane and he actually did a better job. We'll explain the reason why here in just a second, but the results you get depend a lot on spray nozzle selection. I like the tips built right into the cap so they don't come apart. I do like ceramic nozzles when they're available. Now, a ceramic nozzle in a flat fan like we're looking at here lists for about six dollars and sixty cents. I have had them; is cheap, a little bit under four dollars, and so forth. And you say, oh, well, that's quite a bit. You get had to have a hundred-foot boom, and you get the fifteen-inch nozzle spacing I talked about. That takes eighty nozzles. So let's say you buy them at a discount at $4 a piece. That's $320. Let's say if you have three sets of nozzles, that's about $1,000. Well, if you look at cost of new sprayers and so forth, that's a relatively small amount. And we don't have that one nozzle do everything. So buy several nozzles and make sure they're uh, the right ones for the applications you're gonna be making. Now, what is the life of ceramic nozzles compared to stainless steel? And it's at least five times. Now, ceramic nozzles and spraying systems are what? Lower in price? About the same price? Or a lot of people probably say, yeah, since they last about five times as long, they're going to be about five times the price. But it's hard to believe they're actually lower in price. Let's look at that a little bit in the next chart here, as we go and we look at the life here, and uh, you can see how much more life we get out of the ceramics. But if we look at the underneath there, the AIC nozzles, and these are the more expensive nozzles, List uh, price is for uh, the AIC and stainless steel about $16.30 and uh, have, uh, the AIC and ceramic is 13 27 so about $3 less. And you can see what I have found also, what you can usually buy them for. But someplace in there, you can see the ceramics are still quite a bit cheaper than the stainless steel ones. And then they're going to last at least five times as long and even greater. Now... How many things does the spray nozzle do? actually does about seven. Yeah. Let's look at those. Of course, it controls the amount applied, the GPA, uniformity, the coverage, the spray drift potential. It breaks the mix in the droplets, forms the spray pattern, and propels the droplets in the proper direction. That's the business end of the sprayer and that's why it's so critical to have the right nozzle on your sprayer. Now we get back to the farmer, found out the big problem was why he didn't have good control was he was using the nozzles that gave him the ultra coarse droplet size. They've been very, very effective for spray drift, but not very effective for efficacy. In fact, anything over 665 microns falls into the alter course category. And I would say that his, for the size nozzle and the pressure he was running, he was probably close to a thousand microns inside, which really limited his coverage. And he had some contact herbicides that really needed this more spray particle size. The recommended nozzle for that one was actually coarse and uh, that's what the aerial applicator was using. The aerial applicators really like it when I present this because of the fact where they actually beat a brand new John Deere sprayer out in the field. But it's all because of the nozzle selection here that made the difference. Now using nozzle tips and pressures, which gives us larger spray droplets when applying fungicides and insecticides. Let's look at that. And, of course, that's going to be false, isn't it? Because most of the fungicides and insecticides require smaller particle size than the herbicides. And we showed that earlier on the uh, fungicides with that flat fan nozzle, which gave the superior results to the uh, flood nozzles, which weren't near as good in efficacy. Don't forget to look at the spray books for information on what nozzle to use It really rates a lot of the nozzles, gives you a lot of good information on that. And don't forget two important factors, pesticide efficacy and spray drift management is what we're really looking at in pesticide application. And all these things are really affected by all these factors, the spray characteristics, the weather, equipment we got a lot of things to really be concerned about to get those top results and just a little bit here on physical drift on you know, that's the spray particle itself and sprayer contamination we need to clean out that sprayer and of course one of the things we're really concerned about like with the dicamba products is volatility and drift reduction don't forget to follow the label direction and then we want to select the nozzle to give us an in, uh, increased droplet size. But if we do that, we're going to have to increase the, uh, the uh, sprayer coverage, the amount of gallons per acre we use if we go to very big droplet size. And of course, nozzle selection, we got a lot of different nozzles we can select out there and pressure makes a big, big difference on what spray particle we use. And one thing we want to point out here is like the flat fan nozzles, we really like to use them about 20 to 25 psi. The chamber, like the Turbo T-jet nozzle, a little bit higher, 30 to 40. As we go to the bottom one here, the air induction nozzles, they even, a lot more difference between the pre orifice and the orifice that forms the spray pattern. And so we'll also get to some real higher pressures on those to compensate for the changes in pressure because of those two orifices in the spray nozzle. And uh, we're gonna, Is it possible to have a larger spray droplet size with a smaller air inclusion nozzle? And this is what we want to show This is uh, four charts here. This is the flat fan nozzle, upper left. And in all cases, we have the smallest nozzle in red. And as you're in red on these charts, that's smaller spray particles, and that's what you'd expect. You go to the turbo T-jet, you see the same results. The uh, smaller spray droplet size with the smallest nozzle. Go down to the turbo plug, you see the same thing. Now, what's different is on the bottom right the air induction nozzle, the smallest nozzle or tube actually gave us the largest particle size. How can that be? Well, that just means they got more differences between the pre-orifice size and the outlet orifice that forms the spray pattern. And so you can do a lot of things when you're doing that with two different orifice sizes and so forth. And they're trying, of course, with air induction nozzles to reduce spray drift. And so they do that quite effectively. Any questions on that particular section before